Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and training camp is almost here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 140. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with one of my best friends, not just in coaching, but in life, in Travis Manger. He's the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Morgan State University, and today he and I are going to dive into the deep world of RPOs. What are they? How do teams use them? And are they here to stay? We'll answer that and more on today's special episode of the show where we don't have a scouting report. We're not going to jump into fan questions, anything like that. That's how in-depth Travis goes in on this topic. Buckle up. Let's get this show started. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, as promised, joined now by one of my good friends, Travis Manger, co-offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach for Morgan State University down in Maryland. And Travis, uh, your second time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a little thing that uh, I think has kind of caught really NFL and football media by storm. This is like the hot term that everybody's kind of throwing around and we're seeing it thrown around maybe more than it, it necessarily needs to be uh, in some cases. But uh, RPOs, and we're going to talk about RPOs and uh, really it's everybody, not just in the media, because coaches at every level are trying to learn more, not just on how to run them, but also how to stop them. So it's certainly one of the biggest topics in football right now. I guess my first question, just to get things rolling, because I have no idea where we're going to go with this podcast. I mean, we're just going to talk about it and see how it goes. Um, But my first question is, just to give a good definition and kind of like a mission statement for what an RPO is as an offensive coach. Well, first of all, uh, greatly appreciate being here again, especially this time, you know, the the world champion podcast the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a a tremendous honor. I appreciate it. you know, R- RPOs, obviously, that's a buzzword, especially sure. in this city. Um, you know, initially, um, it started out as a way to defeat a loaded box, okay? Um, and it's branched into a whole phenomenon. It's important to understand that there are many different styles of RPOs. An RPO can uh, fit any different quarterback. Um, at our school right now at Morgan, we have our returning quarterbacks. We have three different body types, uh, three different skill sets, and really an RPO that fits each one of their skill sets, as it does in the NFL or any other uh, Division One school or high school. Um, an RPO, it's important to understand there's a first-level RPO. There's a second-level RPO, second RPO. There's a third-level RPO. And when you're and splitting those levels up, you're speaking to the different levels of the yes, defense. different so. levels of the defense. There's, there's RPOs where you can read a defensive end. Right. There's RPOs where you can read a defensive tackle. There's RPOs where you can read a, a, a linebacker. There are RPOs where you can read a safety or a number four defender, strong or weak. It really comes down to what is your core offense, what executes best, and what kind of a defense are you going against. Yep. So really – the biggest thing I would impress upon uh, listeners is that the RPOs is a very vague term. Yes, it's a uh, huge umbrella term. It is a very yeah. It, it it can you can have a Tom Brady does RPOs. Yep. Carson Wentz does RPOs. Russell Wilson does RPOs. Matt Ryan does them. RG three in his heyday in Washington was doing them. All very different skill sets, different offenses, 
uh, different fan bases, yep. all very different things. And uh, I, I guess the biggest thing is, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a native Philadelphian. I went to Council Rock High School. I went to Temple. I listen to sports talk radio. Uh, I've heard it. There's a critique in this city that an RPO somehow takes away from physicality or a blue collarness of a Philadelphia run attack, or um, it changes the offense, right. or maybe it's too complicated for a young quarterback. <laughs> but in the reality of it is, um, you know, an RPO it can be as complicated as you want it to be. It can be as simple as you want it to be. Um, it does not take away from the physicality of an offensive line. Of course, you can run the most physical, dominant run schemes in football that have ever been invented can be married up with a, with a simple slant or a hitch or a fade or a stutter and go. Right. Um, you can do it off of gap schemes. You can do it off of zone schemes. You can run them off man schemes like right. ISO and draw and power and counter. Some of the best RPOs in football come off of man schemes and gap schemes. What I think is so fu- is fun about it, too, is looking at just the evolution of it. I don't know when the first time was that you really kind of started taking it in and the first coaches and the first schemes that you, you, know, that you studied where uh, you saw, hey, this is a, an RPO per se. But, like, I know it started where it's, all right, it's quarterback's reading a defender and he can either hand it off or run. Then it's, oh, he can hand it off, he can run, or he can throw a slant or a pop pass or, you know, whatever it is, just a quick, quick, simple read. Then it turned into quick game concepts. Now you see vertical concepts, and Mm -hmm. it's just so many different now iterations of what an RPO is. I I find that really fascinating. I mean – well, first of all, you know we've all we've all seen the stories like on College Game Day about Rich Rodriguez at West Virginia yep. or when he was in his uh, young days in coaching at like Glenville, talking about how like one day they just stumbled upon like the quarterback would read the backside defensive end, the backside C gap defender, and he tackled the dive. The quarterback just pulled it almost by mistake, and the quarterback took off running. Well, you know, our, you know, that's kind of like the simplest thing that you can do if you want a quarterback to hand the ball off or pull it is for the quarterback to just pull the football off of a read key and run the ball himself and have your tight ends and receivers block. Like yeah. that's, I think when a lot of colleges install their base, uh, like zone read game or RPO or, or run option game, that's really what it is. Is a quarterback can pull the football and run, or he can pull an option pitch it as mm. so many people have done over, uh, you know, in the history of football. Um, and then all of a sudden people started doing it where a quarterback would pull off a C gap defender, attack the number four alley defender and throw a bubble. That's the simplest thing people do when they install is have the quarterback pull the football, attack a number four defender, and either run off of him or throw a bubble. Okay? And then people started working where you maybe threw a smoke screen where you had, if you wanted to get the ball to a big X outside guy like a Mac Collins or an Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you could have guys in the slot like Brent Selick or or Zach Ertz uh, run flat and kick out that corner and allow outside an X or a Z to catch the ball and get up in the funnel and run off of a safety. So then, you know, those are kind of your core things. Those are the things I kind of was exposed to when I was in high school Mm. or in my early days at Temple as a player. Uh, Those are kind of the core RPOs. But now um, we talk about a first-level RPO where – a quarterback is reading a C-gap defender and then attacking the alley, the edge. Maybe the best example I can give is if you if you think back to the Eagles playing the Broncos last year yeah. when Carson Wentz yeah. pulled pulled off the off the the right defensive end yep. and Alshon ran almost like a stutter and go and he hit him for a touchdown um, in man coverage. Well, that's kind of that, I mean the Eagles were running a very physical downhill zone scheme there. The defensive end closed. Carson decided to pull the football. He outran that cat. He was he was free. 
and Alshon ran a great route, and they hit him for a touchdown. But that's a vertical go route. Right. Okay? So you have, literally, you have people now where they are pulling off a defensive end and putting a quarterback on the move and throwing anything from a stutter and go, a straight-up go route, an out cut, a hitch, um... You know, you have spot concepts where you have a almost kind of like a mod, like a snag concept where you have a, a go route, a replacement hitch, and then a flat route. Um, I mean, you have you have arrow routes with tight ends going in. Anything that puts a number four defender in conflict, you can marry any of your base. Yeah. Like NFL teams are doing it, college teams are doing it. You can do it at the high school level. You take your quick game concepts, whether it's an all American stick route concept, a stick, uh, a slant flat. Double slants, an outcut with a uh, by by the slot and a go route by number one, or a stutter and go, or a free access hitch. Do you take your quick, your basic quick pass game, and you can marry it up with a with a quarterback who attacks a number four defender? Mm. So much of quick game is working off of a flat defender inside out. Sure, anyway. exactly. So really, now you're just putting the quarterback on the move, and you have your offensive line blocking a physical zone scheme, which that you would install day one anyway. They know what they're doing, and now you're marrying up a quick game concept, which you would call as a quick concept anyway. And really, you're just getting the best of both worlds. You can take an athletic quarterback, marry that up with a, with a physical O-line and tight end that can block their, their butts off, and then you have receivers, let them do what they do best. Not every receiver is going to be great in space blocking, but they can sure as heck run that quick game concept. And now instead of a, a offensive line blocking, you're putting the quarterback on the move, and now you're getting the best of everything. You can still hand the ball off to a dude like Jay Ajayi. Right. You can still get a physical run scheme, a physical runner, or you can have a really athletic quarterback pulling the ball and attacking the perimeter and throwing the ball to a guy like Nelson Aguilar or Al, uh, Alshon Jeffrey or any of these wide receivers. And then you can – and it, it, to me, it's not as complicated as some people in the media want to make right, it out to be. Sure. You're just, it's all about how you teach it and how you conceptualize. If you teach the concept of uh, double slants, receivers – they don't need to. They really almost don't even need to know. It doesn't know. matter. It doesn't matter what the, the protection. Yeah, right. Whether the O line's protecting or running, it does, it's irrelevant to them. It's just, it's just, it's a double slant concept. They need to know. I got the big slant on the outside, and obviously there's like two different ways. Some people do a looky slant where you're trying to occupy the inside shoulder of a flat defender, or a true three man slant that's mirrored to the outside guy. And, and and honestly, that that's a real. When you talk about screwing with a defense and really complicating things, you become really complicated to a defense. But uh, at the same time, you're creating simple concepts for the offense. You're taking two simple concepts and marrying them together, and you can get very creative. Well, I think what's been fun, too, just over the course of kind of, I guess, running the Eagle Eye in the Sky article on on PhiladelphiaEagles.com is, you know, when I first got here, it was 2011 – you know, Michael Vick's the starting quarterback, and there was some there was some zone read stuff and what Andy Reid was doing, and so being able to draw that up, you know, we're trying to teach fans, hey, this is what this is what a zone read looks like. You know, Chip Kelly comes, and you start to see what, hey, this is what we were calling them packaged plays, and this is what these basic, uh, you know, first level and second level RPOs look like. You know, you think back to uh, that very first game against the Washington Redskins, uh, Michael Vick hitting Brent Selleck down the seam on that little pop pass. That was that quick second-level second, second level read, and now we're just starting to see it branch out more and yeah. more. And so being able to kind of see that here in Philadelphia continue to branch out more and more has been a lot of fun for me, and I think a lot of fun for a lot of the fans that are paying attention to that stuff yeah. as well. Um, I think really as well what, what is most interesting to me and the stuff that I'm really trying to get a better grasp of are those third-level reads. You know, and to me, like – 
when I think of third level RPOs, I think of Art Bryles and Baylor and everything that he did with Robert Griffin the third, and then every quarterback that came in after him and all the success that they had. Because uh, you're seeing them, you know, just destroy teams on vertical passes where the quarterback is either handing the ball off to you know a, a running back that's facing a light box play, on a power run scheme, mm-hmm. or he's hitting a, a receiver down the seam on four verts on a wide open touchdown. Like yeah, I mean, it's one or the other. I would say this. I think. First of all, I would say as a, regarding second-level RPOs, I think second-level RPOs are some of the, the most create. I think they allow for some of the most creative as, aspects mm. of game planning and play calling. Like it, it was probably, it, it's important to touch on it just because the simple fact is the Eagles won the Super Bowl on a second-level RPO. Yep. When it, they had a backside slant with, a, with creating a four-by-one formation. With Zach Ertz. New, New England bumped, up, bumped their backers, which opened a throwing lane for uh, Zach Ertz and that slant to win the game ultimately. So I think that the thing about second-level RPOs is also, again, it's not taking away from your physicality of your of run game. Yep. There are some subtle adjustments that have to occur, however. If you're doing a zone scheme, you're, a lot of O-linemen are taught, especially on the backside, if you're doing a zone left, all right, uh, I think about like you know that Eagles-Redskins game where they just went up and down the field that first mm. half. You know, when Coach Kelly was here, yep. that, that pop pass you, you, you talked about with Selk specifically, I believe the Eagles run in an outside zone to their left. The backside O-linemen are basically fan blocking on the defensive end. So in a first level read, a quarterback's going to read a backside C-gap defender. So you're leaving that backside yeah. DN unblocked. He's unblocked. He's, he's a quarterback's yes. responsibility. Yep. When you get to a second level in RPO, the most basic form is you're still running a zone scheme, right? But now your backside... C-gap defender is going to be blocked. It's got to be blocked because so you're reading the linebacker. Yeah, because now the quarterback's the responsibility becomes the, be- the the first backside backer behind the mic point. Yep. Okay? Now, in that RPO, um, you know, that's a really cool play in itself, the pop-pass concept because sure. you have a yes-no concept to your single receiver. So if you didn't kind Explain of still- that. Take us through a yes-no concept. So a yes-no concept is if you have a single-side receiver, if you have it – so if you're in a three-by-one set and you get a, you get a strong rotation – or a quarters concept where the backside safety is cheating to the number three defender, which a lot of people do. So you got one over one yeah, on the backside. Basically, side. you you have a you have a, either a free access throw, or they're playing cover one press. Yep. Okay, and our yes knows a cover one press look would equate to an ML, uh, convert to a go route like a fade ball, which is a great opportunity. That's why the X's. That's why Alshon makes a lot of money. Yep. He's got to go win when he gets that opportunity, like he did against Denver, like he did in the Super Bowl. Yep. Exactly. Um, if they're playing a cover like a three buzz, which is a big time NFL coverage, a th- uh, you know, or a three roll strong, mm. where they're clouding the field corner and rolling the safeties over the top to play thirds, and the backside corner's got to play the deep boundary third. If you have that free access throw, if they're giving you a five yard hitch or a two eye, a second inside step rollover, or even a slant, um, or a, a deeper like a ten yard stop, any kind of yes no throw where if you get strong rotation, they're closing the middle of the field as a quarterback. You could take it. You take it. So that's it. It's basically it's all like almost a, a pre snap checkbox for the quarterback yeah, where it's like all right before I get to anything else, if they, if if I see I've got one over one to the boundary, yeah. yes I'm making that throw if it's there. If not, then I'm, I'm moving on to the, everything else. Yes, I'm looking to hit that. A, my eyes are starting in the boundary. If I have a yes no hitch slant out. Uh, every offense is different. Yep. Every skill set is different. You know what you're trying to attack is different. Most people, it's going to be a, a slant, a hitch, or an out. It's going to be a quick game concept. And again, that goes back to how I talked about marrying quick games in the RPO world. Of course. Um, so if if you have that, you're taking it. 
If it's first and ten and you're getting seven yards a pop, or if you have a dude over there that can make someone miss, you're looking at an X play every time. And it's ultimately, guys, what an RPO does, it's creating a high percentage throw, and that's completion yeah. percentage. Production and ball security are the two most thing two most important things we look for in a quarterback at Morgan State, kind of coming up under some of the coaches I worked under, it's ball production, it's 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 production and ball security. Mm-hmm. So RPOs are really good in that aspect. But if it's a no, let's say they play cover two. Yep. A cover two look would be a look where you're – that's definitely a no. That's a great example. Like a Tampa two look, that is a hard no as a quarterback. Now I'm looking at that backside backer. Okay, the O-line's going to zone left, so they're going to have a frontside mic point. That will backer is probably going to be your mic point. They're going to zone – the center is going to have a zone combo to him in some fashion. Now your right guard, right tackle, depending if you have an over defense, a three and a five or a shade and a five, whatever your front is, um, or if it's three down – you know, your, your backside tackle is going to have an a inside-out drive block, you know, a man block, okay? The quarterback is now responsible for the first level, the second-level backside backer, okay? Now, by alignment, there's two things. By alignment, that quarterback should know, hey, I'm going to throw the ball. If he's lined up in a B-gap or an A-gap, you can infer. You, you have probably, a pretty good idea that you're you going to You can have a pretty good ball. idea yep. you're going to throw the football. If he's lined up in a 50, which is like in a C-gap alignment, kind of in a hip, stacking that end or outside or over the tight end, you're probably going to hand the ball off. That's one of the big things is you teach them by alignment right. to anticipate what should happen post-snap, pre-snap and post-snap. For, for the listeners, for, uh, when he talks about a 50 technique, if, it, if a linebacker is lined, uh, what you'll see with a lot of schemes is that, much like how we talk about with a one technique or a three technique or a five technique on the defensive line, you're basically taking it the next level with the linebacker. So you'll hear a 50 technique, and correct me if I'm wrong, Travis, would be almost like a C-gap linebacker guy off the, off the ball, yeah. or is it, and he, you know, he's going to be at the second level. So mm-hmm. you're talking in, in the terms of 10s and 20s and 30s. And 40s. Yes. I mean, if, if, if the offense goes to a three-by-one set, either the backers have to adjust their alignments yep. if they're going to stay too high, or they have to close the middle of the field to cover their gaps, or they're not going to be gap sound defensively, which I'm so- sure you've had plenty of defensive coaches talk about that on this podcast yep. and other times. But um, so then the fun ro- now, now, so really, we, a lot of these um, like these second level RPOs really lock in the O line, the quarterback, the running back, and the single side receiver. Those things don't change very much. Like that individual cut, that yes no route can change week to week based on the defense you're playing, but. You know, you can change. You can run all of your zones. You can run your tightest zone to mid zone to outside zone with that look. The backside tackle or guards have to know, hey, they're locked on that end or three technique. But you can get, you can change up what runs you're working into the boundary. Where this second level concept gets incredibly creative and really simplistic in my mind is when you go to the front side. When you have three, when you okay. have. Uh, to these three receivers. Now, the, the play we referenced in the beginning is the pop pass to Brett Selleck for right. a big gain, right? Brett ran that grass seam where he's coming off the line of scrimmage. He's not really going full speed. He's working about five steps for about three yards width at about uh, 75% speed. Yep. You do that because if you're a tight end, you come off the ball real fast and a pop pass, a quarter safety is going to knock he's you gonna out. Know, yeah, right. So you, you're trying not to get undercut or, or drilled by a safety. So You want to get into that soft spot between yes. the linebacker and you the You talk safety. about getting in the fat spot or the fat of the zone between the Sam and the Mike. Yep. So that's why we kind of talk about working five steps with three yards with it, about 75%. A buzzword we call it at Morgan is cruise control. Hmm. So that's a cruise control to the tight end. A wide receiver who's a more athletic guy might foot fire. He might right. do a, a foot fire stutter release, a bit which early, stutters yeah. at the line of scrimmage for, for, for a count and then release to mm. buy time, but it's a different body. So it's, it's a different technique. It depends yeah, on what sure. you want to coach. Um, 
but that ball should not be caught any deeper, like deeper than six to eight yards. Ideally, so when you catch it, you can split it and go, kind of like what you saw on that play. So that's if you do the base, the base concept with that pop, that's what you're going to get. The number two receiver is going to run a bubble. He's going to run a bubble to try to draw that flat defender away from the pop pass concept. Mm. Okay, um, and then your field number one, you can do a couple things. You can have him block most dangerous for the bubble, sure, which yep. is what a lot of people do. Yep. Or you can have him run a go run, route, run, a go, mandatory yeah. outside release go route. Um, but you're not having him run a route into the middle of the field towards the no. pop. Yeah, you're, you're trying to take away. the top off the coverage. And if you get a cover two look, you especially have to release outside because if you release outside, you have you you can get the field corner to turn his back and carry you to a certain extent, hmm. or. If you're outside release, he's going to see that bubble right now, and he's going to jump the bubble. At what circumstance does it go to the bubble? If we're it's, so, we're starting with the yes, yeah, no, the and then we're getting to the tight end. Now, at what point does it get to the yeah, bubble? Yeah, that, and that's what I was going to get to. Really, and this is what's cool about this. This is just a base concept, and you see it everywhere in football right now. The cool thing about it is if you have the yes, no, you take it. If they're going to give you a five-yard route, you're going to take that all the time. Hmm. In the red zone, you call that play on the 18-yard line, and they go cover zero, you have a great fade opportunity to your big X for a touchdown. Yep. I mean, it gives you that. Um, if it's a no, you're going to read the first backside backer. If he plays the run, you pull the football. The quarterback is taught to flip his hips real sudden and get the ball loaded with great ball security, two hands on it. Now, he should anticipate throwing the pop. Now, when he gets his eyes off the mic, his eyes are going to the flat defender. If that flat defender squeezes the pop pass, now he's getting his eyes all the way out to the field corner. So he's going all the way back to the left. Yep. That field corner... If that field that field corner, if he's playing good cover two technique, he's probably going to collision the go route and turn his back yep. to the bubble, and you throw the bubble. Yep. If he ch- plays a trap technique and he jumps it, that we teach our quarterbacks, you better be alert to bang that turkey hole, that eighteen yep. yard window, which you see so m- the great NFL quarterbacks can throw that ball all the way across the field in that eighteen yard window on a second level rope. Mm. Um, so it, that's the scenario. So the beauty of this play is. First of all, your O line is blocking a physical downhill run. It's an, it's they're an blocking an outside zone, zone. Yeah, or outside like, zone. They're right. blocking like outside zone, like a Legarrette Blunt for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right. They're blocking yeah. an outside zone for a touchdown. They're blocking a mid zone or they're blocking a tight zone. You have an X receiver running a yes no, a simple quick game route, which you mm. can throw all the time. You can hand the ball off. You can throw it to the number three receiver, whether he's a tight end or a, a wide receiver. You can throw the ball to the slot receiver on a bubble, mm. or you can throw it all the way outside on a go route. And it depends on the look. It depends on the situation in the game. If you're getting a cover zero look on the 15-yard line, you can throw either outside go route. If they, if they, if they press up the, in the yes-no, he's going to convert it. Mm. And you know your outside guy to the field's already gotten a go route. So you have two good go route opportunities. You have a bubble route, which can defeat um, certain coverages. Like if you get a, a three-fire zone look, like a edge pre- if you get a field pressure look where – you know, that, that, that flat defender hugs the grass seam. Now you can out-leverage it and throw the bubble. Or if you get a cover two look where the, they're playing like a two-cathy where that corner is carrying the number one guy vertical, like you, there are certain coverages where that bubble route can really give you the best option. But each, each there are five different possibilities. Yep. Some people build in second-level RPOs where the quarterback can run the ball too depending on certain looks. So that's why, that's why it's become a really in-vogue thing in football because ultimately, guys – NFL quarterbacks make a lot of money. They're the franchise. The best quarterbacks win you games. We saw it here in Philadelphia. So you have guys like Carson and Nick, okay, they're bigger bodies. You have a guy like Carson who's coming off of an injury, right? You want to protect him. 
How you can do that is you can build an RPO system, which the Eagles already do plenty of. You can build a system where he either hands the ball off or he's throwing it. Mm. And it's up to him to make it right. That's why you pay him the big bucks. That's why he was the second overall pick. That's why he's an MVP candidate because 90% of the time he's going to make it right. And that's why the Eagles are what they are offensively right now. So you watch film at the NFL level. You watch it at the FBS level. You watch it at the FCS level. All the teams right now – you know, you talked about how it was Rich Rod, and you have Chip Kelly when he was in at Oregon, and we're talking Rich Rod with at West Virginia with Steve Slayton and Pat White, and they're putting up fifty-five on, on everybody. Who right now though is running the the RPO and the, the all the different uh, RPO elements the best right now? Who are the most fun teams to watch in your mind? Well, first of all, I got I got to shout out Steve Slayton from Bucks County, Commonwealth guy. Yeah. Got to dap him up. Sure. Um, I would say, obviously. You know, in talking with people, like in talking with people and clinicking with guys in the NFL and talking to people and knowing what they're studying, um, I, I just had another NFL guy. I had an NFL position coach tell me a couple of days ago the Eagles are the hot team in the NFL to study. Every people can't get their hands on enough Eagles tape right now. We're studying it in college. Mm. Um, there's a ton of FBS and FCS teams studying what they're doing. Um, I would say the 49ers are a hot team. The Rams. I mean, really, you, you know, the New England. I'll, I'll, people are always going to look yeah. at New England. Sure. They've been a, a gold standard of what of the NFL, you know, of success. But really, right now, the hot offenses. Everyone's looking at how are the Eagles, Rams, and 49ers, How are they creating all these high percentage RPO runs and throws, and how are they completing sixty five, seventy five percent of their passes and getting all these chunk plays out of personnel groupings that don't traditionally you would think are right. you know like. How are you – all these base RPOs out of 12 personnel and 11 personnel? Sure. I think people – it kind of goes back to when we talked about Richard Rod. Everyone's thinking 10 personnel, four or five wides yeah. and, you know, spreading the field. But, you know, they're creating some of these core RPOs off of, you know, 11 and 12 personnel and forcing defenses to stay in base packages and getting really great mismatches on linebackers who just can't cover – you know, guys like Tevin Zach Coleman Ertz, out in space. Or, yeah, right. Or, or, or you're going to say the Eagles. Yeah, yeah sure. Or um, guys like, and I would imagine guys like Dow, Dallas uh, Gurdett. Dallas Goddard, yep. Or sure. Goddard, you want to say it right. But, you know, guys like that, and who's going to be paired up with Zach Ertz? Like, the, like, they're running RPOs that, like, you just, you can't be right as a defense. Yep. Like, you have to literally choose what do you want to give up? Do you want the Eagles to, you want to force the Eagles to hand the football off? You want you want Todd Gurley carrying the rock? You want Jay Ajayi carrying the rock? Or you want to put it in Jared Goff or Carson Wentz's hands, throwing it to guys like Brendan Cooks and Alshon Jeffrey? Right. Like it's like I I don't envy NFL defensive coordinators. That's a hard, that's why RPOs are are becoming such a thing. And that's and even as it trickles down to like the the FBS and FCS, we all recruit the same way. Like we like even at like a place like Morgan State, which is like a, a one double A program. That's not in the CAA like the Delawares and the Villanovas. You know, we're still looking at how can we get those big high school wide receivers and get weight on them and turn them into flex tight ends. Yep. How can we utilize guys in the same manner as the Eagles and the Patriots and the Falcons and the Rams and the Niners, all these people using these RPOs? Because ultimately, and this is kind of what I, to, to finish up what I was saying about the reason why, is when you think back about that second level RPO, you can get really creative with the front side with the three receivers to the front side. Sure. It can be a two it can be a two by two concept. It can be three by one. But what makes it creative is you can go you can work your stick concept. 
You can work a, work a scat concept. You can work your double under concept where you have number one and number two running uh, under routes, and number three can run a corner or can run a dig. You can run your drive concepts. People, it's not just bubble screens. It's not just a. Bu- right, it's right. not. It's not just a bubble pass. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a bubble. Right. It's not just a bubble, a go route, and a pop pass. Right. You can run a, a three by a three by one stick concept like like that. The Green Bay Packers were running, and the Bill Walsh was running with the Niners in the eighties. Yep. Sure. Like all it made Mark Shinmora the tight end that he was like an all American stick concept. And if the Mike Backer plays the run, you pull it and you work outside in on a stick concept like yep. it's all American stick. You can run a snag concept. The corner with the replacement hitch with the arrow route. Base concept for all you Madden players and people who will be like, yep. that's one of the most basic concepts in football. You can do it with a smash concept. You can do it with, with um, double slants. It literally comes down to what quick games, what drop, what are your core drop back concepts. Mm. If a curl flat concept is one of your base concepts, you can incorporate it. That's why it's becoming such an in vogue thing because you're just take once you teach – once you teach outside zone to your offensive line, it's in. Once you teach uh, verticals or curl flat or a drive concept or a snag concept or a, a stick concept. And you've got it. It's built it's in. in. Yep. It's just built in. Now you're just yep. marrying concepts together. Yep. It's like you know some people use numbers or whatever. If you're calling it 97 or 37, 37 is your outside zone to the left, 37 Z snag. Well, one thing I liked when we were talking about this off camera was – um, the how you try and pair up those run plays with pass plays with timing because it can't just be inside zone with some of these deeper routes because that inside zone, the timing won't be right in terms mm-hmm. of uh, how the running back and the offensive line express mm-hmm. themselves by the time those routes develop on the outside. I think oh, that's yeah. interesting as well. For sure. I mean, obviously this is the, the big conversation and you hear like guys like Coach Saban in Alabama always you know talking about enforcing the rule and RPOs and what they, they're doing in football. The biggest thing is offensive line coaches, some don't teach any adjustment at all. Go, block it, be aggressive. Some offensive line coaches teach a a technique that slows down the combination where you're still being physical, but you're teaching the guy who has to come off in the combination. The guy who's coming off the combination block, whether it doesn't matter what, you know, if you have a center and a left guard zoning a three technique to the mic point and the three technique is wide in the B gap and the center's clear to climb. Like just if Jason right Kelsey's away, climbing, yeah. like if it was just going, he's just going. Like Jason Kelsey's going to key that near hip. If there's no color, he's going to that mic point. Right. And a lot of people RPOs are taught the same way because they're saying the off the pass routes built off of it are going to hit so quick that the ball will be thrown before Kelsey's downfield. Right. Some of the best RPOs really come off of outside zone and gap schemes because those are the schemes that take the longest for an O-lineman to get downfield. Yeah, you right. have to be careful because the tighter your landmarks, the tighter your zone scheme, the, the more downhill you run, the faster O-linemen are, the, the, there's going to be a faster uh, likelihood that they're going to get downfield. Um, but again, like I said, it all just comes down to what fits your offense. Like if, yep. you're playing a, if you're playing a man coverage team, a team like a lot of NFL teams play cover one and load the box, that's a great opportunity to run an. You can run an outside zone and then work slants on the backside mm. and create slant windows by getting man defenders in the box to run with the back and open up a slant void. Mm. Or if you're playing a cover three team, you can work a snag concept or a cover two team where now you can get a nice little miniature uh, flat defender high low. Yep. Or if, or you know if you're in the red zone, you can work you know the double the the red zone like the old Peyton Manning concept with number 3 running a dig two one and two underneath where those that man defender runs with the back you pull it now you're inside out which is a core red zone concept i mean it all it all just depends on 
like the concerns of the you have to be in sync with the offensive line coach, what he's comfortable with, how he wants to teach it, and then ultimately, I think it's important to understand how the referees view it too. Like, sure. there's some com- there are referees in some conferences that say, you know, unless the offensive line is a offensive lineman is egregiously downfield, they're not going to throw the flag. Now, egregious is a very um, ambiguous statement <laughs> to say the least. That that you know, three yards is what. You know, they said in Division One football, you get three yards. You know, it's not three yards. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> in a pre- and I'll be honest. In a previous life, you know, my first full time job, I was the offensive line coach at Morgan State, and I taught them to take all of two yards, get as much as two yards as possible. Don't chance it. Get as much as two yards. But then, as I've learned and watched and seen and studied, you've got there are people four, five yards yeah. downfield, and the flags just aren't getting thrown. They're always going like, to. At the end of the day, referees and the way football is going, and they're trying to get shorter games and everything that's going on with football right now. They're really trying to say, you know, if he's four yards downfield, it's okay. We're yeah. not we're not trying to turn football games into a flag fest. So it's a really it's a great time to be an offensive coach and tinker with RPOs. Um, but then you know, you know, and then when we talk about you know, especially when you talk about being creative now, when you get into your third level RPO, especially um, that really allows, especially when we have this conversation about lineman downfield yeah. and buying time and what plays work best. When you start talking about a third level RPO. You really, you can really get creative. So, you know, just review your first level RPO. You're reading a C gap defender. It's defensive end. Right. Or if you're playing like a, th- a lot of NFL teams play that three four Oki front, where a defensive end could be on an inside shade of a tackle or head up. You have to, by game plan, you have to decide: Do I want to say lot, read that four eye, or do I want to read that that stand up like yeah. Terrell Suggs type dude, right. yep. or James Harrison? Do yep. I want to read the the, the stand up rush end, or do I want to keep it locked on the defensive end, who's technically not the end man on the line of scrimmage? There's you know some people you can there's advantages to doing both. I've seen it done both ways. A lot of offensive staffs are go back and forth and argue over whether you should read the stand-up guy or the four-eye or the four technique all the time. It just depends on what you're trying to achieve offensively. But the first level RPO is a C-gap read, and the quarterback is going to pull the football and get on the move. Okay. Uh, then you have your second level RPO where you know you can work. Some, some people don't even work work the yes/no, but you have a quarterback that's going to read a backside backer. Okay, and then you can mar- you can it's get be a quick game throw. You to create a quick game throw yeah. or a base drop back throw. Right. Yep. It can be as creative as you want it to be. Yep. Okay, and then you start getting into um, third level RPO throws. A third level, if a first level is a defensive end, a second level is a linebacker. A third level is a safety or a corner. Give me the teams in college that kind of come to mind when you talk about third level RPOs. Like to me, it's Art Bryles and Baylor. And uh, what Ole Miss has been doing as well over yeah. the last few years. I mean, Ohio Ohio State is sure excellent that's a good at it. one too. Yeah, Ohio State is about as good as it gets. Period. Anything they do offensively, to be honest. But um, you know, Alabama, your pro style offenses are the ones that the, the quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback that can eye can eye up a number four defender yep. to whatever side you call it, and be a good enough athlete to flip his hips and bang like a seven step glance or a go, or a deep stop, or a deep out, hmm. or a, a modified, like a five, like, like, think, like, Eagles fans would probably think, like, RG3 in his heyday with Washington. You know, this, the, the play, the zone read off of, like, running outside zone with the split flow, yep. pulling the football, and, like, Santana Moss, 
running that like five step. Which, like, by the way, is Kyle Shanahan, who's in yeah. San Francisco, is yeah, one of the offenses guys. that you're talking it's all, about. Is, yeah, all, yeah, we right, all, everybody's exactly. studying all the same stuff. Yep. But you know that's kind of you know that that that's kind of some good stuff. You know, Jacksonville, Keenan McCardell is one of the is one of the best wide receiver coaches in the game. Period. Um, they I've they've done that in Jacksonville a little. Um, you know, it just depends on the comfort level and ultimately what you're trying to do. But the essence is you're playing a, you're playing a strong, a qu- an aggressive quarters team. Mm. So much of college football plays quarters. Yeah, Big right. Big Ten teams, SEC teams. They have these top 15 pick safeties who are rocked up, running downhill. Guys that are six foot, 220 pounds, running a 4-5 in Indianapolis. And then they can also <laughs> they can, they can knock you out. They can run the alley and make the tackle for a TFL. Or they can get in man coverage and, and flip their hips and run with a, a slot receiver. Like th- that's why those guys get picked so high and, tra- and get paid a lot of money. But you know, if you're going to play an over-aggressive team and say you just want to run one-back power or two-back power or ISO or lead, but you know, maybe your wide receiver, your X receiver can't go in and dig that cat out. He can't go down and get him. You can always push crack him. If you just want to block him, you can just push crack. Send a receiver inside and, yeah, and go MDM, the safety. An outside yeah, receiver right. just MDM. You can yeah. push crack him all day if you want. Yeah. Um, but say you're, you're struggling blocking him or you want it as a nice changeup. If that guy runs the alley and plays the run aggressively, the quarterback, if his eyes are on him, he can pull the football, flips his hips, and throw it off his ear hole in that void on a seven-step glance, or it can be a 10-yard stop. It can be whatever you want it to Something be. Up, sure. But that's really where football is going right now is third-level RPOs where if people are going to go strong – if people are going to close the middle of the field and go strong rotation, you pull it and throw it. If people are going to play aggress- aggressive quarters and have a safety run the alley and try to make a tackle, a guy that you're not really accounting for – with your box count, if he's going to enter the box and make a play for a two or three yard gain, and you feel comfortable and you have a quarterback that can handle it, read that guy. And it's a comfort thing, mm-hmm. and that's how football is evolved. But also, you know, it's so much more than that too. So, you know, you can do something as simple as a lot of people. Honestly, what a lot of people do too, especially when you play like uh, three, four teams, a lot of people will do something as simple as, you know, they're running, they're running uh, eleven personnel and they're running one back power, right? And, you know, in, a, you, in, in 11 personnel, you have a tight end and five offensive linemen. So you have six blockers for six hats. Right. So if a defense is going to play a six-man box, you're fine. Hand the ball off and make money. And, sure. you know, you guys, everyone win your one-on-one battle and go make it happen. But if all of a sudden a sandbacker or a safety, a, guy, a number four defender, really, when I talk third level, we're really talking like a number four defender. If a number four defender enters the box, you put that accountability on the quarterback to handle that. So people have done explain number four defender. A number four defender. So if you have a box count, you know that's uh if you're an eleven personnel, if you're an eleven personnel on the defense is just playing an, a six man over front. You're gonna have four defensive linemen. Your Mike and Will in the box. Your Sam def- your Sam backer can be walked out, splitting the difference between the tight end and the slot receiver. Well, it's your nickel corner, three yeah, by whoever one. that is, whoever that yeah, is. Yeah, a nickel. Yep. A lot of times it's 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 a, it's yep. a DB. It's yep. a hybrid. Yep. Um, He's real, if you if you talk about a box count, O line count, you know it's usually the O line is going to count inside out. One like your you know some people will count, start with the bat the the mic point. Some people will start with the down lineman. But right. if you're going three, if you have a shade to the left that knows like Fletcher Cox is number one. Yep, and, and you're then, just counting from there. And every then you're counting the backer there. is yep, two, sure. the defensive end is three, and then all of a sudden your outside backer or your safety so like that is ma- number four can, becomes yep. the number four defender. It can be strong or weak. It can be a backer or a safety or a corner. 
Okay, if you're going into the if you're going to the split end, it could be a corner coming off the edge blitzing. Right. A corner fire would be a number four pressure weak. A Sam coming strong would be number four strong, and uh, that's an issue that offensive line coaches get paid a lot of money to figure out how to pick up in protection. But one of the also one of the basic ways you can do is you can RPO that guy with a quarterback. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a side adjustment. A lot of people are starting to do stuff where you're running 11 personnel. You're running tight zone, mid zone, outside zone, split flow zone, one back power or counter or draw. And if a number four defender plays the box, you can do something as simple as all hitches. Where if, if, they're give, if, they're, if they give you a yes, no free access hitch into the boundary, you can throw that. If not, now the quarterback's eyes are on the flat defender to the field. If the flat defender plays the box... You can throw an all-hitches con- concept inside-out to the slot or work outside. Or if you get edge pressure, you can work inside-out off mm-hmm. of that. Uh, it really just depends on how complicated you want to get. But that's really, when we talk about a, a third-level number four defender RPO, it's really if, if you're going to have a safety or a, a flat defender, an outside backer, play the run, and you're not going to account for him with a, with a blocking run hat, you can have the quarterback throw mm-hmm. off him, and, and, and it can get as creative as you want it to be. So I think what's going to be really interesting in the NFL this year is every team in the NFL is going to be doing forms of this, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think you're going to have teams that are kind of like minoring in RPOs, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna, you're going to see a couple every game. You're going to see a handful every game. And you're going to see teams like the Eagles where it's a major part of yeah. what they do, uh, and you're going to see it every single drive. There's going to be elements of yeah. it. Uh, I can think it's every single playoff game. Drives were started and ended by them driving the field using RPOs and finding ways they can go in the length of the field, uh, whether it's handing the ball off or throwing the football. So, my mind, quick answer, RPOs here to stay in the NFL, right? Like, they're, they're not going they're anywhere. Absolutely not going yeah, anywhere okay. because it just it gives, it gives offenses too much. It makes, allows offenses to be really simplistic because they don't have to double install something. Once yep. you teach it, it's in. It's just about how you marry things together and how you teach it to your guys. But then also, like you just said, you can go up and down the field running RPOs where, like, literally you're running, you're running inside zone. And your, your add-on, your RPO pass concept is a zone beater. Yep. It's a cover two beater. Now, most teams, you get in the red zone, you're going to get one of two defenses. You're going to get cover zero or you're going to get picket fence, right, cover seven. Cover seven yep. So all of a sudden, if you know you're going to start getting man coverage, now your RPO, you keep the run the same, but now you adjust it to a man beater. Like you run a, a stick concept, or you run a snag concept, or you run a mesh concept, or you run a, a um, or you run slants. So you like you just all you do is you you change the route concept from a zone beater to a man beater, and you still that's why it gives creativity. Your offense yep. lines just hey block outside zone guys. Now they're changing up their coverage, so we're going to change the RPO that goes with it. All right, so. so so I've got two questions for you to kind of wrap this up uh, that are just kind of reacting to and really want to get your viewpoint on it as a coach. What happens now to the uh, the run pass ratio stat? Because you still see people that are at complaining about it, whether it's on offense or you know on defense. All the you know the run pass ratio. Why aren't they running the football? To me, the RPOs, it almost tosses out the window. Yeah. I know for a, as a coach, when you're game planning for teams and you say oh, how often they run or how often they don't, does that, how do you account for that when you're uh, going into a weekly game plan? Well, don't I mean, give away the secret sauce, obviously. Well, no, I mean, you do it's, personally, it's, it's hard. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's hard because ultimately at the end of the day, if it's an RPO and the ball gets thrown, it's a pass. Right. So, like, sure. at the end of the game. At the end of the day, it's a like, pass. Yeah, at the right. end of the day, like, Eagles fans are going to see 80 snaps 
Eagles Falcons in a couple months, in a month or whatever. Uh, you know, they're going to see 80 snaps, and it's going to say, you know, 40 runs, 40 passes, or or 50 30, right, yep. or 60 20, or you know, 65 15. And there's always going to be fans saying they're throwing the ball too much, or there's of any of any school or any pr- uh, organization. Yep. And we all saw that when Coach Reed was here. Yep. Like the run pass bound ratios were. We're crazy, and they're also. I'd be remiss if I said they're also. They're also the an organization sure. that's got their 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 toes aren't in the water. Their foot yeah, is in the right, water when no it comes question. to RPOs. Like they're they've done some very creative stuff to get some of the like Kareem Hunt, Tyreek right, Hill. No I question. mean, they're they're doing. Well, some they brought real, Chris Alton from yeah, Nevada. Like, or a few years ago. To, yeah, yeah sure. I mean, and that's just another NFL team that's doing. Right, it. I mean, right. it, I, you could probably look at all thirty-two NFL teams. Like I will bet you, Cleveland majors in it yeah because you don't draft a guy like baker mayfield not to right so i mean it's here to stay um but relative to like and really that's more of a media question because of course in this city in this city the 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 sports talk radio and i feel like the coaches in this city have had to answer questions every year uh about just throwing the ball too much running the ball too much well all the end of the day you know there's a lot of nfl a lot of those times too a play with, like gets changed. What, one of the things about RPOs that hasn't really been mentioned is that RPOs simplifies your system. I, I've said that, but all, what I mean to say is a lot of quarterbacks when they get drafted, you know, come out bring this up. and they have a they yeah. have a two back like they 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 call like an ISO play, right? Yeah. They're calling a two back power, two back ISO, and if the defense loads the box, now they have to check to a whole other right. play. That's, that's adding so much to his play, adds, you don't have to anymore. And part of why RPOs are here to stay is. RPOs have built in answers for everything. Right, so like I took you through a, a second level RPO that literally had an answer for every concept in football a defense could throw at you. Cover two, cover one, cover zero, quarters, three fire zone. Like RPOs have answers that allow coach quarterbacks not have to think very much. Well, it's allowing young quarterbacks to not grow. just in the NFL yeah. level, but also in the college level to well, be able to jump remember, on and compete this is early. A, why are RPOs climbing into the NFL? Because college, there's being less and less put on quarterbacks' right. plates in college, in college yeah. and now it's trickling up to the NFL. Right. So before it would be like you see all those, you listen to all those, 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 those like, and the sight and those shows that have like all the coaches and players sure, yeah, up, and, right? You know, Peyton Manning yelling Omaha and Zorro and Xerox and opposite and cha- and flipping like like if you're running outside zone to the right and you're getting edge pressure from the right, you're going to check it and go opposite and run outside zone to the left. Yeah. Well. That takes time. It eats up play clock, and also it kind of tips your hand. Like it's kind of an old school way of doing it, where you know you're gonna, you know you're gonna check. You're gonna have, you're gonna put it all on the quarterback's plate. Where when like we played in, I played in, when I when I was a when I was just a backup quarterback at Temple. One of the first offenses we learned was you could run one back power to the right. Okay, you could trade the tight end and Xerox the play and go to the left. You could check it to a curl flat concept. Or you could, if, if you had cover zero, check in a speed option. That's all built in. That's a one. heck oh, of yeah, a, lot a lot going on. College. Yep. Like, but people do that. There are right. people who still do that. I mean, it's very, you know, quarterbacks that can handle that in the college level, God bless you. You're going to be a top five pick if you have the physical ability. Right. And I think that was one of the, you know, I think that was kind of one of the things with, like, a guy like Josh Allen at Wyoming was playing that offense and having to do stuff like that. But, like, quarterbacks, you know, traditionally have had to be handled multiple, like, dual play calls at the line of scrimmage, like I did, we just described. They've had to handle flipping protections in the pass game, like knowing where they're hot. And RPOs just solve all those problems. Yep. It just takes a it – just, it's a simpler – it's a, a cleaner version of football. Mm. You still have a run scheme. You can throw an easy route. And you save the quarterback the stress of screwing up uh, a mic point, a, a swapping a protection, changing a protection, or changing an entire play. Yep. There's answers. 
Um, so that, 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 that's, that's part of it. So I would say it's absolutely here to stay. My last question, and this is really kind of – it's a selfish question on my part, but I think a lot of the listeners will want to know as well. You're watching, you're watching film on a team you're getting ready to play. And obviously this is more on the defensive coaches than necessarily offensive coaches. But as an offensive coach, you're watching the defensive film and you're seeing another team run an RPO, what you believe to be an RPO, uh, against the team you're playing. How are you able – what are the big keys for you in differentiating between what you see as an RPO versus a regular play-action pass or maybe a quarterback carrying out a, a run fake or anything like that, whereas, uh, you know, I guess really from a, from a fan perspective, being able to look at it and say, yeah, that was an RPO there or no, that was just straight play-action. Like is there a way for you that, that you're able to do that or is it really just kind of going off gut? Well, I think you have to you – have, you, have, you have to – if you can see the whole picture – you you definitely know. I think ultimately, great quarterbacks. You never really know. You never really know. You, exactly. Like one of the things we spent a lot. I, spent, I think, as a side note, people would be shocked at how much time quarterback coaches spend coaching quarterbacks to carry out something as simple as a simple hand the zone, carrying out a naked fake off a zone. Yeah. Or carrying out a fake off of a C gap. Carson's so good at it. Like like He's Peyton so Manning. good at it. Peyton, yeah, Peyton Manning's great like, at it too. Exactly. Like it would nauseate some fans. Like quarterback coaches spend in a whole like a one hour meeting just talking about simply carrying out a fake. I think um, there's certain tells if you know you see an offensive line is is zone blocking. That's the my biggest. Being thrown. That's, that's kind of my biggest. You can all thing, if, yeah. if you you know if you're a student, you know you know you know the quarterback was throwing an add on or an RPO if you know. If you see the quarterback catch the football and he's throwing it, but the tailback is still making that bread basket. Like if the tailback's coming across his face or running like uh, his taking his power footwork, but the ball's being thrown, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah. Like because otherwise, why would a running back want to interfere with the quarterback throwing the ball? So like that's that's part that goes into it too is teaching the running back to get out of the way. But sometimes yeah. he doesn't always know it. So I think um, you know obviously if you see bubbles being thrown yep. or you know. That probably means like the, the the flat defenders playing the number four defenders playing tight to the box, or he's playing the run, or they're blitzing. Hmm. Um, you know that, that 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 you know it it is hard. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it is hard. But uh, honestly, when RPOs are done right, when they're executed and and the right people are read, and the ball is pulled and thrown, or the ball is handed off, yep. and there's a and the run is a gash, yep. that's because that extra defender that the quarterback's responsible for is being read. And dealt with properly by the quarterback. Yeah. So if you see if you see a route concept, the ball gets handed off, and that dude totes it right down the middle of the field for eighty yards. That means that Mike, that 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 that, that backer who the quarterback is reading, he's playing the route, and the quarterback handed the ball off and did a great job. Or if all of a sudden, you know, you're throwing that pop pass like Brent Selleck hit on that thirty yard gain, like that that told you that uh, Michael Vick did the right thing because the Mike backer ran with the zone. He popped it to him, and that's a big play. So when you have explosive plays, because yeah. the other thing I would say is RPOs in general, they're high-percentage throws, but they're not necessarily explosive plays. Like, yeah, sure, Carson throwing the ball to Alshon of course, Denver. That's, yeah, a, that's right. a goal route, but right. that's most RPOs, our balls are not going to be thrown any deeper than five yards, right? right? Yep. So if all of a sudden you have a big, like a 30-yard pass, yep. that means everybody's in sync and it's being executed at a high level. Yep. You're not going to necessarily fall into, you know, football's not a game of perfection, but you strive to be. But So you can, you can have a mental error at a position where there's a wrong route or the quarterback makes the wrong read and you still mm-hmm. fall into a 30-yard game because a back or a receiver makes a great play or makes yeah. somebody miss. But ultimately, if you see a play, if you see a play executed just flawlessly, 
it probably means that it was read right. That's why it's you said something that kind of sparked, and I said that was the last question, but it just sparked something. The uh, the playoff game against the Falcons last year, second half. I want to say it was right. I think it might have been the last play of the third quarter. Rodney McLeod gets home for a sack around midfield on Matt Ryan. I remember sitting there with Ben Fennel. Uh, we're breaking down the film of the game the day after. And we were trying to figure out if it was play action from the Falcons or if, an R- or if it was an RPO. And because we, well, basically what we were trying to look at was, yeah, the offensive line, they were selling out for a run. Mm-hmm. Rodney's coming off the backside. Running back off, off play action, you would think, okay, running back, forget the play fake. Yeah, you're coming yeah. back for you're coming back to block that safety, that yeah, extra that, defender. Yep. But if he's selling out for run, that had to be RPO. So you're not placing blame on the back there. That's yeah. more if, on if the, the quarterback. If the, if the back, well, that's the biggest thing. If the back... First of all, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But tailbacks, <laughs> yes, tailbacks, uh, tailbacks in general, like you got to be really aggressive. Tailbacks, the, the essence of running backs and pass protection is 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 urgency and suddenness yeah. and violence. Like you have, to, like running backs, you have to collision your man as close to the line of scrimmage as possible to get the form to help form the pocket. Right. The quarterback. Sure. So if the running backs running the run and the quarterback's pulling the football off of it. McLeod, if I remember correctly, he's a number four defender yeah, coming he week. Came he's in free, extra, yep. so that's where the, it's that, that's on the court. That's bad. That's poor recognition. Um, you know, there could have been a, it could have been a sight adjustment yeah. where maybe the receiver should have been running a route and then blocking. The play's not. I can't remember the play off the top of my head, but you know, ultimately, if you have a quarterback getting hit, if you have a quarterback getting sacked on something like that, ultimately the ball needs to get thrown. Yep. Or one of the things we always talk about too with RPOs. And this might make some run game purists happy, but one of the things we also talk about too with the running back, with the quarterback in RPOs, if there's if you're in doubt, just hand, hand the, ball the ball off. off right. When in yeah, doubt, sure. When in doubt, hand the rock off, and we'll live to play another quarterback day. Quarterback plays, yeah, exactly. uh, ball, Again, like I said in the beginning, uh, production and ball security are the two most important critical aspects of quarterback play. Forget height, forget arm strength. If you produce. And you protect the football, that means you're accurate and you make good decisions, and that ultimately is what matters at the quarterback position. But, you know, just, you know, just to revisit a question, the, the question, two questions ago I didn't answer, but when you talk about, you know, I said, you know, it is what it is. You know, if you have 60 right. passes and 20 run, runs, run, pass, pass. it is what it is. You can't change that. Of course. But one of the things pe- fans would know is, like, there could have been, if the Eagles on, on that Thursday night game against Atlanta, if they throw, if they have 80 snaps and they throw the ball 50 times and, th- and there's 30 runs, right? well, 15 of those passes could have been RPOs. Right. That could have been 15 more runs. Right. But understand, if Carson or Nick, whoever plays quarterback for the Eagles in that first game, if, 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 if there's all those RPOs that are being handed off or thrown, you got to just trust that the quarterback's the making right the right idea. decision. Yep. Like these coaches all day, they're paid a lot of money, and they sit all day grinding to put these guys in the best possible situations at every level of football. So whatever they're going to do, they're going to feel really good about based on what they see from last year, the playoff game, preseason, with their own guys. So they're going to take the concepts that fit their toolbox, and they're, they're going to – whatever runs, whatever passes, and whatever – First, second, third level RPO fits them best. They're going to execute it, and I would just tell you, as you watch these big time college football teams play, it's it's trickling down from FBS to FCS to high schools. Now we watch huddle, yeah. and we recruit all day, and like it, it's shocking. There are everybody's RPOing. Yep. It's not going anywhere. It simplifies the quarterback's job, but also, uh, in some ways, it changes the way you recruit the quarterback position. Sure. You know, you don't have, like I said, you don't have to have. Uh, you don't need to throw it 65 in the yeah. air. On a, you don't on a need knee, a quarterback yeah. that can throw it 70. Yeah. 
You don't need a guy that's going to – you don't need a Randall Cunningham or a Donovan McNabb, yeah. per se, or a Michael Vick. You can have you can have a guy back there who maybe is a 4-9 or a 5 Tom Brady runs RPOs. Right. He'd probably exactly. run a 5-4 right now. Yeah. Well, that's how Baylor – that's why I keep going back to the Baylor yeah. sentiment because, you know, they go from RG3 – to some of the guys that played yeah. for like one year after that at a time where you'd never they graduate from Baylor and you never yeah. hear from them again. Uh, they probably ran five four in the forty, but they're running all the same no. stuff. I mean, it's but that's the thing. So like the I think the biggest thing I would tell you is we, we Eagles fans, when you look at stats, you can't look at the RP ratio. The run pass ratio is very misleading. There's also I'd be remiss. There's going to be some times where the ball should have been thrown and it gets of handed course, off. Right, exactly. Or, Yes, like if I remember, like Carson Wentz's first touchdown pass against Cleveland a couple years ago, he checked them into a whole other play. Mm. Like you, people are still doing elements of that old school West right, Coast system where the quarterback, if he sees three fire zone, uh, three under, three deep with a five man pressure, he can check to a whole other pass. Con- like yes, that still happens. But if you have a quarterback that can't handle doing that, th- here, this is why people are doing it. But yep. um, you know, you don't you don't necessarily have to you know you don't have to get away from some of those other things. But again. That's why I would tell you it's not going anywhere. Um, it's a tremendous advantage. Um, it's 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 really helping out offensive coaches. It's changing the way we recruit. Um, you, and also, you know, we haven't really talked about it from a wide receiver perspective. Yeah. But you know, wide receivers don't have to block all the time. Right. Exactly. Right. How many how many guys how many guys do you hear Mike Mayock Dude, and Mel Kuyper complaining about? Oh, his you know he runs block. crisp routes. He has great hands. He you know he runs a deep ball. He can go get it. it makes but it he's hard, not a willing man. blocker. <laughs> Like dudes get yeah. dudes 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 are literally losing out on millions of dollars because they can't block. Well, now you got guys, you know, instead of blocking thirty times a game, now they're running they're now they're running routes yeah. twenty times and only having to go in and stick their face in and block. Yeah, it's times. a way to hide them. So yeah. ultimately, I would just tell you, you know, the run pass ratio is misleading. If you're looking for a stat that really counts, look at yards per completion. Hmm. Yards per completion. Um, I learned this from Rob Spence, who is a who's a uh, one of the best. Coach that I ever learned from, I worked under him at Temple and at Morgan State. He's now the offensive coordinator at Georgetown. I would tell you this. He really brought this to my attention. Yards per completion, like if you just look at a box score and blank out the score and the teams, you can almost predict what team's going to win based on which team has a higher um, yards per completion. Mm. Like one of our goals at Morgan State is we want to average eight yards per completion or more. Because if you do that, that means That's you're basically hitting about. explosive passes all yep. the time. Yep. Like, you're taking a five-yard hitch and turning it into a nine-yard gain or a slant's becoming a 12-yard gain. The more, the more you throw the football vertically downfield, the higher the risk, the higher the reward. RPOs create uh, low-risk, high-reward concepts. You call an uh, outside zone or a pin-and-pull man scheme with slants versus man coverage, if that man defender runs and you throw that slant, that slant's going to run for a long time. Yep. If you get a fire zone and you throw a hitch or a bubble and it out-leverages a defender, you're going to run for a long time. You're going to take a three-yard route, and you're going to turn it into a 20-yard gain. Yep. And that's why the yards per completion is a stat I would advise football fans, when you want to critique something, don't yell at Doug about run-pass ratio. <laughs> Go look at the yards per completion. That's going to tell you all you need to know about the passing game efficiency of an offense. Well, dude, it's uh, a conversation I anticipated being about 30. We are just under 60 minutes, and I could imagine we could probably go for another 60 more because we haven't even talked about uh, defense stopping the RPO. It's the greatest sport on earth, and it's football season. Yes, it is. Uh, Well, I appreciate the time here, as always, on the Eagle on This Guy podcast. Uh, We will have you again on soon.
Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff from Travis and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. It's the best way to support the show. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there because I would love the ability to answer it here on a future podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novocare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.